0: Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show
1: on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen.
2: Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick.
0: Hey, Lee, I hear you're uh, a little snowbound. Uh, This is a little bit of a, a, a weather week for you, huh?
2: Yeah, unfortunately, Rick, I live on a street that has a whole lot of hills. And the bad news about when it gets icy and snowy is I typically don't have a hard time getting down the hill, but getting up the hill, now that's a different story altogether. So, uh, unfortunately, I was not able to make it in the studio, but that's okay, because you did, and you are doing a fine job of holding down the show well, let's see. and getting let's,
0: everything where we need to go. So let, Let's not get ahead of ourselves there.
2: <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll do fine.
0: But, right. Rick, I wanted
2: to talk about uh, some of the stuff that's going on, because it just so happens that... Uh, next week is going to be our Valentine's Day show. And I understand that you guys have put together a very interesting contest over at Bruce Pets for Valentine's Day. Why don't you describe what it is that you guys are doing for uh, the people in Old Town and your customers?
0: Yeah. Now, this is centered around uh, what we wanted to do is uh, kind of explore it not so much for Old Town and our store, but just for our customers that are out there and just kind of warming up to the idea of a pet Valentine Day. And so what we've done is uh, we have a, uh, I wouldn't call it a contest, but uh, we're going to do daily drawings for a $14 gift card. Just a, you know, thank you for participating kind of gesture. Uh, But um, what what you want to do is go to our Facebook and, and And share uh, your picture with your pet. Um, and uh, we kind of embellished it a little bit further just by thinking a little more and we thought, you know what? there's probably customers out there that have fun, positive stories to tell about their pet or may just want to like share with the public what what they think about their pet. And so for 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 a couple, um, at least one or two, what we want to do is extend the invite to come on to the radio show. Uh, you'll need to have your entries in by Thursday the tenth. Well, actually, let's make it the ninth. Uh, Wednesday the ninth, just to be comfortable, because we do pre-record. So uh, we want to ask if there's anyone out there that has a fun story they might want to share about their pet, kind of in the the kind of the. Um, flavor of Valentine's Day. It's it's your dog, it's your cat, it's your iguana, it's your bearded dragon, it's whatever you have in your relationship. And might you have a fun, engaged story that you might want to share? So that's what we've got, Lee.
2: Well, it sounds like a great idea because the truth is that there's a lot of people who love their pets and it's been proven true. I just saw a report in the last couple of days that said that the amount of money that people spend on their pets for Valentine's Day has gone up dramatically in the last couple of years, which is not a surprise because there's so many people who've gotten pets and there's so many people who've gotten more involved with their pets that what else would make sense than to spoil them a little on Sweeties Day?
0: Well, I always have. Uh, marveled at uh, the stories that come into the store that center around how important their pet is to their day-to-day life. And I think that uh, there's plenty of individuals out there for whom their life is worth living and even more worth living simply because they have this special relationship. Their pet understands that maybe nobody else has an opportunity to, you know, it's the pet is there it's there whenever they want it and it's an opportunity for that person to kind of reach out and feel loved and given attention that uh, uh that sometimes just you know isn't there for everybody
2: absolutely they uh, they make your best friend uh and it just it, it's a wonderful relationship that a lot of people have but Rick for today's show we've got an interesting show planned about a month ago, we did a show that was all about Great Danes, and we got such a great response off of that show that we thought to ourselves, not necessarily what is the opposite of a Great Dane, but pretty darn pretty close. pretty darn
0: close.
2: <laughs> so today, we're going to feature the Wiener Dog, the Dachshunds of the world, which are Very popular dogs, and frankly, when you see one, you know it because you'll probably start to giggle, just like I do, because they're such an
0: unusual-looking dog. Well, don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS.
1: It's the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320 WILS.com.
2: We're back here with the Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us a first-time guest on the line. His name is Daniel Greiner, and he is a breeder and a absolute uh, lover of the Breeze Dachshund, daus- and uh, we want to thank you for being with us, Daniel.
0: Thank you. Hey, Daniel. Oh, it's our- do, do me a favor, Daniel. What's the best pronunciation for it? For dachshund? Yeah, dachshund. So I hear that, well, uh, that must be it. <laughs> well, so the
1: ch. A lot of times people blend the C-H and the S-H, um, but you really should pronounce the, um, the C-H. So it's dachshund okay it's German.
0: good good and, oh cute and daniel well, h- how long have you been having uh this relationship with the dachshund
1: oh going on 12 13 years now
0: well tell us a little bit about it
1: yeah so i actually grew up with australian shepherds and collies i actually really never liked Dachshunds. um my interactions with them as a breed in the past a long time ago um was not great um but as I um, I had a pivotal moment in my interaction with the breed where I was um, house-sitting, and they had some long-haired doctions, and I had never really seen those before and just thought they were really amazing, and their temperament seemed kind of vastly different from the short-haired reds that I had encountered in the past. Um, and so, you know, kind of what we do, or what I'm specifically doing, is I work Closely with a particular line of dachshunds. Um, They're they're called English creams and they're from the UK. But obviously dachshunds come in many different colors, coat types, um, and they're all great in their own unique sense. But, um, you know, my goal is to kind of preserve the traits of that specific line and educate people as a whole on things and needs that the breed has.
0: So it's not all that uh, difficult to arouse people's interest and fascination with the breed because it seems to be that, you know, one poster child. If you want a dog that wanders by that you're going to kind of have a warm heart with, or you're going to laugh at a little bit, or if you're going to, you know, even maybe have a joke out on the internet. Uh, but what does it feel like to be on the other side of that where you own one of these and, uh, and the public uh, uh, have, have a lot of emotions surrounding this, this dog breed?
1: Yeah, so it's it's amazing to hear the stories from my customers or even um, people who are uh, prospectively looking to interact with me as a breeder, and you know people are extremely emotional about the breed because uh, I think partly just their their tenacity and their um, their loyalty of the breed um, really settles well in people's hearts. Um, their their size is kind of comical in their shape, um, so that just tends to draw a lot of attention as well. And so um, I just, I love the fact that I can uh, interact with people and we share the same uh, common interest in the breed as a whole.
0: So when people come to you and they're interested in getting a dachshund, right, Um, what what goes through your mind as far as where you think they're coming from? Do you just kind of listen to them? And where do you want them to be before they think about getting a Dachshund?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question, Rick. So, you know, obviously you have kind of two subsets of customers. You have a customer who's had a Dachshund, and many times people will have lost a pet. And so they're ready to, you know, dive in and, and start looking again because they love the breed so much. Um, and then you have another customer who maybe they've never had to breed before and you do have to do a little bit of education. Um, so obviously I'm there for both customers. Um, but one of the things that I really want people's mindset to be in is, um, you know, my website actually has a really good article that kind of educates people on, um, how to, you know, approach and find a reputable breeder. And I kind of describe the whole process as like buying a car because, you know, oftentimes you're not doing it. You know, you may be doing it a few times in your lifetime. Right. And it's a big decision and it's very stressful for a lot of people and they get overwhelmed. But I have kind of some key points that I'd like to cover. Um, You know, a breeder that you're working with, um, they should be housing their dogs in an environment that has a lot of human interaction. So most, a lot of people do uh, have in-home breeds. Uh, a breeding facility where the dogs live in the house with them. But uh, some people do also have outdoor kennels. And my big point here is is that as long as they can show that the dogs are getting a lot of human interaction, I think that's, uh, that's very positive. Also, the dogs should be bred ethically. And this, this is kind of to mean that um, they should be cared for and, and the purpose of breeding should be done in a way where it's uh, not taking advantage of the dog um, or abusing them. Um, Breeders should also be genetically testing their dogs, so they should be able to show proof of what they are genetically testing for and why they are doing that. And then also, breeders uh, should be educated about the pedigree. So, the pedigree is important um, even if you're not showing a dog or buying a dog to show because it helps um, understand genetic issues and as well as the lineage or um, relatability of dogs to make sure that dogs are not being bred too closely. Um, another point is veterinary support. Breeders should be utilizing veterinary care to um, analyze puppies and make sure that they're healthy before they're going to new homes and that they're also caring for uh, and supporting their, their moms and, and the stud dogs in the program. And then uh, just a couple other points, uh, transparency. You know, always allowing customers to see um, where the puppies are being raised. I have heard from many customers where some breeders are very reluctant to have customers come to their home. They want them to meet in a parking lot. That seems very kind of um, fishy, and I understand people have some, some security concerns, but I think in the end of the day, um, transparency is really important. And then lastly, the biggest point, you know, ask the breeder, why are they breeding? You know, What is their goal, and what is the point beyond money why they're doing this?
0: And so you've been breeding them for how long where you've been offering them to the public? 10 years. Okay, and in your 10 years, um, can you kind of uh, just, what's the energy of, let's let's pick the person that's coming in for the first time. And um, is there, there's probably that even splits up into a couple different types of people. People that want to listen and learn and then people that are, or particularly not realizing, you know, what they're undertaking. How do you deal with each of those two?
1: Yeah, so obviously, Rick, it's much easier to educate someone who's eager to learn, wants to learn. Um, And for those customers, it's, it's it's easy because you give them resources, you tell them information, and they're like a sponge, they just absorb it. Um, for customers that maybe I'm getting the realization that they're not quite prepared or maybe they're not fully understanding what they're getting themselves into, Mm -hmm. um, a tactic that I like to use is I do assign people homework. I'll say, you know, I'd like you to read this article about the breed or, um, here's a video that's great that talks about, you know, um, maybe some issues that the breed has or, um, whatever it may be. And then I'll say, you know, uh. If you are still interested in pursuing um, getting this dog or getting, getting this breed, um, give me a call back and we'll continue this conversation. And oftentimes what happens is after people watch those things, or maybe they don't ever do that at all, um, they either realize a couple things. I'm not the breeder for them because I, I have expectations for my customers that they, they have to prove to me that, they have, um, that they're ready and they're um, mature enough to take that step in um, agreeing to basically be this this dog's caretaker for the rest of his life. Um,
2: Daniel, I have a question. When you look at doctrines, I think a lot of people want them because of how they look. But can you explain to our listeners, what are they exactly bred for? What is the work function that they were bred for, and how has that evolved
1: as we have evolved? Yeah, so interestingly, um, in Germany, they, they had standard dachshunds, which a lot of dachshunds you see now are not standards They're miniatures. They're typically uh, between, uh, I would say, 12 and uh, 14 pounds, which the miniature classification is below 12 pounds. But beside the point, um, the standard dachshunds are quite a bit bigger. They're like ranging from 25 to 30 pounds, so quite a large dog. And they were bred specifically to hunt badgers. So they are actually quite an aggressive breed um, and they have a ferocity to them because they uh, needed to have that in order to um, handle the prey item, which badgers can be quite uh, aggressive and um, you know, could be damaging to the dog if the dog isn't, doesn't have enough uh, stamina to keep up with that. Um, mm-hmm. As far as how the breed has changed or um, adapted over time, obviously, you know, dachshunds are not being used to breed badgers. Badgers actually don't occur in, uh, really in North America. That's, I think, a European animal. Um, and so now at this point, dachshunds really are just a companion pet. Um, for AKC confirmation, you know, obviously, uh, we still look for all the body characteristics, you know, like a strong chest, stout legs, um, you know, stuff like that. That's, that's not really changed, but as far as temperament, you know, people are definitely more conscientious about temperament, trying to breed better temperament into these dogs. And then obviously, um, you know, dachshunds do come in a myriad, probably the most diverse uh, color mutation types of any breed and then three different coat types as well. So, uh, definitely a lot to choose from and they make, um, excellent companion pets because of
0: that. Do you feel that it would be easy, difficult, uh, near impossible if somebody wanted to find um, a good breeder of dachshunds and uh, and, and, and create a relationship? I, you know, I'm just here in Lansing and I say, you know, I think I want to get one. I've never had one. Let me find the breeders and specifically find the breeders that you described as kind of that, appropriate breeder that kind of follows those points that you gave. What's the likelihood that somebody's going to be able to find that?
1: So recently, Rick, I was doing um, kind of a Google search just because um, I'm always um, putting metrics on our website and and thinking about um, what we're doing. And I actually had Googled, you know, like top ten breeders in in Michigan, and there someone had actually taken the time to methodically go through many breeder sites within Michigan and then categorize them. And it's not to say like out of 10, like number one was the best, but it was just kind of their categorization of the top 10 breeders they felt that were really um, exemplifying good breeder uh-huh. um, behavior. And I actually really agree with them. I knew and I recognized nearly all the breeders that were listed there, and I personally had experiences with them. And so I can actually constantly say that if you went on that ranking um, through Google and, and looked up that, Uh, most of those beers, I, to myself, could recommend.
0: So what if, let's say I did, I went there, uh, what kind of timeline would normally be involved in getting one? Would it be something that I should go into it, anticipating it might be uh, a week, a month, uh, two months, half a year, a year? There's probably waiting lists. And then also, I guess, answer at the same point, uh, how far or distance would would you think one would be able to get a, a good dachshund within Michigan? Follow what I'm saying, or nearby, yeah, or at absolutely. least not too far oh. a travel, or not a not a plane ride.
1: <laughs> sure, yeah. So, um, obviously, you know there are a number of breeders in Michigan that I that are good, and obviously, if a customer contacts them, a general expectation is that right now um, with the pandemic especially um, even what I would consider mediocre breeders um, are basically have waiting lists and, and significantly longer wait times to get a puppy. Um, but obviously, uh, good breeders, even before the pandemic, um, there was always a high demand for their puppies. And so um, I get a lot of people who contact me and they say, you know, do you have puppies right now? And, if, and the reality is, even if I have puppies right now, uh, those puppies are not... Um, really intrinsically available they're already um, spoken for old essentially from oh. our waiting list and so that's something I think customers or prospective buyers really need to think about is that if you want a puppy um, let's say this summer you need to start looking now and interviewing breeders and potentially getting on a waiting list now because the likelihood of you getting a puppy today um, is very slim And I would also um, caution that if you go to a breeder and you can get a puppy like the same day you call them, that might be an indication that they're not extremely reputable.
0: Hey, Daniel, we need to take a break here. Uh, Really appreciate that thought. I think there's more to talk about in regards to acquiring a dachshund. So after the break, we're going to come back and talk to Daniel more about what it takes to find a good dachshund.
2: At thirteen twenty, WILS.
0: It's the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320
2: WILS.com. It's 935, and we're back here with the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we've been talking this morning with Daniel Greiner, who is a breeder of dachshunds. And, Daniel, I wanted to ask you a question about them. Um, you mentioned in the last segment about how They basically have been bred for a hunting role, and sometimes hunting requires a certain tenacity from the dogs to be able to do that function. How does that translate into the ability to socialize and train these dogs? Because I've got to imagine that temperamentally uh, I've heard them described as – a little bit bossy. Is that the case?
1: Oh, absolutely. That's uh, that's a good description. Um, bossy, stubborn, those are some words that come to mind. Um, but the thing is, is, the breed is extremely loyal. And a couple other things. They're also very food motivated. So when training or getting the dog to do things that you want them to do, um, it's important to leverage whatever each particular dog's uh, motivation is. so I always teach people that some dogs are food motivated. I would say most dogs are. um but some dogs are are play or interactional motivated. and so whatever uh, that dog whatever motivates that dog, you need to use that as a leverage for training. and they are extremely stubborn uh, because of kind of that long breeding path of working as a hunting dog. Um, but it's definitely something you can overcome. Uh, one of the things that I think um, dachshunds are well known for is a couple things, barking um, and difficulty in potty training. So let me address the barking. Barking actually is, can really be easily addressed in dachshunds, but it requires persistency and consistency. So there are a lot of really good training collars that are humane on the market today. Um, I always encourage people to use those. They use, either use audible tone or vibration, which helps snap the dog out of whatever is distracting them. And so, again, working with your dog, um, making sure that you're consistent with not allowing them to bark whenever they want to bark or things like that will really help with that. Secondly, uh, the, the potty training aspect, you, know, you want to get the dog from a breeder that really understands the, the struggle here. And ideally is not raising puppies on newspapers or pee pads um, in their home because that really is kind of solidifying the concept that peeing or pooping in the home is uh, a normal function. So for me, like I take the puppies out many, many, many times a day uh, so that by the time they're eight weeks old or 10 weeks old and they're going to new homes, they really have that concept well ingrained.
0: Yeah, and... That again, when you get into trying to find a good breeder, you know, uh, the the best activities start from very, very young, as you're mentioning. And if they're, and, and you're talking about, well, Daniel, you've got to be home a bit. Uh, so, you know, your job, you can't have a situation if you're raising these and you want them to be that social animal. You can't be home, can't be away to work for eight, 10 hours, and I would assume. Oh,
1: absolutely. Uh, when we have litters, we literally physically do not go anywhere for more than a couple hours for the entire duration of the litter is here.
0: That's, that's, that's incredible. Now you had mentioned when I talked off to the side, when we were in the store, uh, by the way, everybody, this, uh, Daniel is not only, uh, uh a good or a great dachshund breeder, but he's a fantastic aquarist. And, uh, I just wanted to flag you out <laughs> as being more than just a, uh, uh a great dachshund breeder, but, uh, you, you have a specific breed that you like. Maybe talk about that. Or more importantly, I think, to the people listening in, what are, is there any like superficial elements to the breed that might guide them into a better temperament uh, dachshund? Or is there any like walk in the door, do this, do that with the puppies um, or anything to do with uh, how they're being interacted that can kind of direct them into a better tempered
1: Yeah, so as as I was explaining to Rick previously, you know, a lot of people, um, they like the look of the breed, they like personality types, um, but then they hear about the fact that the breed can have um, some aggression issues, and that can really put people off, especially if they have young children and they want a dog that um, can grow up with their their kids. Um, And so temperament, I think, is is a thing that is really important here. Um, obviously, you know, we're well past the, the dogs that were used for work. However, like we discussed before, um, traits like stubbornness and, and that tenacity still is a strong quality about the breed. And so, um, there are some people who, like I said previously, focus on that, um, the importance of having a really good, um, temperament. And there are other breeders that are maybe more focused on uh, the appearance of the dog, so uh, variation in color mutations and that sort of thing, and temperament really is not a priority for them. So I think that's a conversation you really have to have with the breeder. You also want to visit the breeder, like when you come to pick up the puppy or potentially kind of um, get the puppy. You want to have an opportunity to interact with both of their dogs because that's going to really give you a sense of overall what their breeding program is bringing when it comes to a temperament standpoint. So as an example, the dogs shouldn't be fearful of you. They should come right up to you. They should be friendly. Um, Yeah, they might bark for a little bit, but as long as you get down on their level, the dogs in general should be friendly, approachable, and, you know, non-aggressive.
0: Um, well, Daniel, it's a little hard to be down at the level of a dachshund. You're going to have to lay on your belly in order to do that.
1: <laughs> I, I've seen plenty of customers get right down on our kitchen floor and, and get down at their level. So it can be done, Rick. All right.
0: All right. I just <laughs> I just had this humorous thought in my mind of, of, of individuals laying on their belly, uh, interacting with your puppies, which that's fine. That's, 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 uh, uh, that's, that's, that's commitment. I like that. Right. Well, right. Rick,
2: that leads me to a question, because, Daniel, that the dogs themselves, as small dogs, you would assume would live a longer life comparatively to other dogs, but because their body is, I don't want to say weird, but it's, it's very peculiar compared to other dogs, are they in fact a long-lived breed, and are there any issues that come from having such short stubby legs, and a long body, other than they might have a hard time in snow.
1: Yeah, so the breed, um, on average, will live 13 to 16 years if well cared for, um, which is uh, just a little bit longer than maybe like a golden retriever. You know, some smaller breeds like chihuahuas and and miniature breeds can live even a little bit longer than that. So, But it is a good um, age range. Uh, you brought up uh, you know, kind of their body build, and that is definitely something people should be aware of. Dachshunds have an elongated spine. And the biggest issue that I see with dachshunds is two things. They are not a breed that requires a whole lot of exercise. They can conform to a fairly, fairly sedentary lifestyle. However, I do teach my customers that a daily walk and some play is crucial to maintaining proper musculature around the spine. Um, also, really, really monitoring weight. Um, dachshunds, again, if they're not super active, they really do not need a lot of food. And I've seen so many times where people overfeed their dachshunds or they're giving them treats. And that is creating so, all this extra weight that's um, pulling down on the back. Um, and all it takes is for the dog to jump down off of a couch or something inappropriate to herniate a disc or something like that. So that brings up another point too, because dachshunds have elongated spines and they uh, really are not built to be jumping off of things, customers really need to have that in mind. They should have steps or um, ramps up and down from their beds or couches, or just simply even teach the dog that the dog has to wait to be carried or lifted.
0: Daniel, I so appreciate you talking about dachshunds. Uh, we now to know how to pronounce it. We now know a few of the particulars about the breed. So um, I hope the day comes when uh, hopefully you can bring one into the store and I can kind of have a fun little encounter. So uh, until then, uh, thank you very much for being part of our show and thanks for bringing so much information about the dachshund. Thanks Rick. You're listening to the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen on 1320 WILS. It's the Mid Michigan Pet
1: Expert Talk Show on more compelling talk radio. 1320 WILS and 1320wils.com. Now back to Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen.
2: The Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show and Rick, we have with us on the line a first time guest as well. Her name is Jamie Schreiner, and if Jamie has a reputation in Old Town, it's because there were frequent times where you would see her with her dachshunds over the years in Old Town, including setting up the Wiener Walk that took place back in 2019. Jamie, welcome to the show.
3: I'm excited to be here today.
2: it's our pleasure to have you. Jamie, uh, having a dachshund is an interesting experience, I would imagine, because when people see them, they immediately get impressions of the dog. (laughs) What is it like to be seen walking down the street with a dachshund? How do people typically respond to you?
3: People typically love them. Um, You know, I will tell you, my dachshunds walk me. More than, than <laughs> anything else, and and in fact, um, my 16-year-old dachshund Lola pretty much doesn't walk anymore, and so I carry her around
0: town at this nice. point. So she can um, see the outside.
3: Absolutely, yeah, I, I uh, yeah, she's she uh, is definitely spoiled um, as an old lady, but um, yeah, people people typically love them. I mean, it's uh, they're they're small, so they're generally approachable dogs. Um, unlike a lot of other small dogs, they're generally pretty friendly towards people too, and, and really love people. So usually, you people want to come up and pet them and and um, and really enjoy them. So it's a lot of fun to have them out and about in the community.
0: And I just want to mention, I I now remember the Wiener Walk, and what I remember about <laughs> it is we're in Old Town, and if you've ever been in the community parking lot, uh, what is it, lot fifty, what is it, lot fifty-three. 56 right yep. so yep. uh basically on the way to the uh the fish ladder there's this mound uh, rather large mound that you approach right going up to the fish ladder and on this mound were i don't know what did we have like 30 wiener dogs that were just having a great time is oh, that right we
3: had we had more than 150
0: oh well there you go <laughs> <laughs> it was it was yeah. spectacular it was just spectacular and uh that happened in 2019, so uh, the idea of a second Wiener Walk is probably in the future. I would say not not so much that, that not not that we've missed anything.
3: Yeah, we're we're absolutely hoping to do it again. We did it um, in conjunction with uh, Old Town Oktoberfest, and so we thought it was a great way to do something the week before. You know dachshunds and and wiener dogs are are German dogs of German heritage, which is how I actually ended up um, getting a dachshund. I lived in Germany and studied in Germany in college.
0: Uh And
3: um, my grandparents, my guest family's grandparents, had a dachshund who I just loved. And so when I came home and it came time for me to get my first dog after I finished school, I, of course, gravitated right to a dachshund.
0: And uh, tell us about your first experience personal experience owning your own dachshund at uh if i remember correct you mentioned that you were about 22 years old
3: yeah um so i did everything you're not supposed to um i went to a pet store and uh and saw my first dachshund uh, maggie she was a little black and tan uh, miniature dachshund i saw her in in a cage and fell in love with her and said no you know I don't have a real job yet. I live in a small apartment. Um, No, I I don't need a dog right now. Well, two weeks later, she was still there and went on sale. And so uh, two weeks later, I came home with a little toxin. You picked up a deal. There you go. Yeah. There you go. But she was a, she was a lemon. I'm not sure how much of a deal she was.
0: Well, that that's what you ended yeah. up finding out. And uh, to describe yeah. a little bit of the lemon. Um, I, yeah. I would imagine it wasn't uh, I imagine you made some lemonade out of out of uh, quite oh, okay. a cute little character, but talk a little bit about the lemon side of it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So dachshunds are prone to um, it's called degenerative disc disease. And uh, and Maggie, at, at three years old, we were playing in my living room and rolling a ball across the floor for her to chase, and her, she yelped, and her legs came out from under her, spent a couple of days in the animal hospital, and, and went to um, MSU and ended up having back surgery. Yeah, And that, so for those, yeah. Yeah,
0: at, your, at at that point in your career, you probably weren't prepared necessarily for the, the, the vet bill <laughs> that came associated with that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> It cost more than my first two cars combined. <laughs> but it, thankfully I had a, a mom who was willing to lend me money um, for it and, and looked at my dogs as her grand dogs. So Well talk yeah, about
0: so maybe, the talk about yeah. the lemonade. Talk about the lemonade. Yeah. What 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 do you like about her? What did you like about her and how did she how was she for such a long period of time? You had her for how many oh, years?
3: I had her she was fifteen when she passed away.
0: Okay. Um
3: yeah, she was the best little dog. I mean, she loved everyone. Um, she was stubborn, like every Dachshund is, um, and hard to, to potty train and teach tricks, which is, is typical with a Dachshund, but loved everyone she met. She loved kids. Um, she loved other dogs. I mean, she she was just the best little dog. She wasn't necessarily always the brightest. Um, I used to bring her to the office in Old Town, and she, she definitely, she wanted to get the attention of all the folks walking by, so she barked quite a bit. And I picked up a citronella collar for her um, to try to keep her from barking. So the, the idea was she would bark, and it would spray citronella, so she would smell it, and it vibrated a little bit and didn't hurt her at all. But because she was so low to the ground and didn't understand the collar, she thought the floor was attacking her. <laughs> <laughs> she, would, she would bark, and then the citronella collar would go off, and she would squat down, you know, on the grounds further and, and bark more, try, like barking at the floor, which of course, you know, perpetuated it. But, um, but she was just a little character. You couldn't. She was just so lovable, and you know, would snuggle up in your lap and love nothing more than to chase a ball. Um, so she was. She was a great little dog.
0: And now you um, have a yeah. you have a dachshund now.
3: I do, yep. I have Lola, who um, I got Lola when she was, when Maggie, my first dog, was 10, and um, Lola appeared. Uh, My stepson's grandparents had always had dachshunds, and unbeknownst uh, to my ex and I, they had called my my stepson when he was 10 years old and said, we have a dog for you. We have a puppy for you. (laughs) (laughs) So Lola was a big surprise, but I could not be more thankful. So she's She's 16 now, um, so she's an old lady. She's got dementia, but so she she gets a little confused at night. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But she does, like I said, she's spoiled. She she is the the matriarch of the house. Um, will she refuses to walk outside, but will chase a ball for hours until she's panting and you have to take it away from her. Um, she is an expert at destroying toys. She you can give her anything stuffed, and it doesn't matter what. How indestructible it's advertised to be! She can have it apart in a minute, uh, which is the same. My boyfriend has a Dachshund as well, and, and Guinness, his Dachshund can can do the same. We marvel at them, but but they are just funny, goofy, lovable dogs. So,
0: now now yeah. they tend to be uh, uh, a suitable dog for. Um, what, I, what, I, what the listeners don't know is you like the city life uh, of Old Town yeah. and live right there in our beautiful neighborhood of Old Town. Talk a little bit about that dog fitting into that, that area.
3: Yeah, you know, it's great. Dachshunds, um, dachshunds really, at the heart of things, are, are pretty lazy. <laughs> <So> <laughs>
0: they,
3: they, they like to walk, but more than anything, they like to be snuggled under a blanket um, for the majority of the day. And so, living, I live in a loft in Old Town, and um, so I I carry my dogs, always have up and down the stairs uh, because uh, of wanting to make sure that their backs do well. But they do really well in the city because their legs are so short, they don't need a lot of space to run. They're great to take on just walks around the block. The only downside, I would say, is that they are very vocal little dogs. And, um, but, it's, as long as you have windows that are high enough that they can't see out, <laughs> it works out pretty well. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> That's the key. yeah, that was with Kerbe yeah.
0: and Bruce. The uh, Great Dane uh, uh, curtains became particularly important. Otherwise, that yeah. was quite the noise, and they're a bit louder. But uh, before we let you go, you do have a new dog, and I think it's worth bringing. Uh, <laughs> s- <laughs> tell us about your new dog.
3: Yeah, but I adopted a chihuahua from the Capital Area Humane Society a year ago. Um, he is a, he's five pounds of fury. <laughs> he's His name was Thanos when we adopted him. He's a little tiny gray guy. Um, he has alopecia, so he's missing most of his hair. He's got a little bit of hair that runs down the sides of his neck, kind of like an old man. Um But he he uh his name was Thanos, and we tried to rename him and came up with all kinds of names, and he didn't respond to anything. And my boyfriend said we should call him John Stamos. <laughs> he laughed and said we are we are not going to have a five pound little little tiny dog named John Stamos. And as soon as he said it, he, Stamos turned his head and looked at him, and.
0: There, there it went. So yeah, the, the dog little, acknowledged the yeah. the uh, <laughs> uh, yeah uh, the, the the smartness of the of the idea, and and now you live with it, yeah. right? Yeah.
3: So right. so we have uh, John Stamos, the Chihuahua, who snuggles all day with Lola, and loves to play with Guinness, my boyfriend's dachshund, and you'll often hear him barking if you come to Old Town and our on Turner Street. If he sees you, in particular, if he sees you in front of Cravings Popcorn, he will uh-huh. let me know that there is a customer at Cravings and, and will bark up a storm. So um, it doesn't work so well to have, uh, <laughs> with the short legs, he's, he's kind of like the tiny dog who can do dog parkour all over my loft and, and get into any space and crevice and up in higher places than you would ever imagine. <laughs> so,
0: Much more acrobatic than, uh, than your dachshunds.
3: Yes, not
0: very,
2: grounded. Very much so. Not grounded. <laughs> Lee, what, what do you want to say? Congratulations Lee? on getting the name changed through. Because with a dog named Thanos, you don't want him to snap. So, yeah. That makes, that makes so, Jamie, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. We've been speaking with Jamie Schreiner, who is a dachshund aficionado, and we really appreciate your point of view. Uh, but, Rick, unfortunately, we are out of time for this week's show. So on behalf of Bruce Warner, our producer, and Rick Bruce, my co-host in the studio, this is Lee Cohen, wishing all of you a great weekend and a great week ahead. We'll talk again next weekend on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Meantime, will you all please... Please take good care of your pets and take it easy with the snow, everybody, because it is heavy. Have a great week, everybody.